an offensive juggernaut, the Tar Heels were not on Monday night. But you know what? This defense could give opponents problems all year long. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so you can subscribe right now to make sure that you don't miss a second of your team every day day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, who has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, folks, Carolina starts off the college basketball season with a win. It is not a number anyone expected, but it is a win 69 56 and so you know what you'll take it because you're one and oh and what we want to do now is start unpacking this game if you're new to the show first off welcome so glad you're here leave some thoughts in the comments what you thought about this performance but what we do as a way to honor coach dean smith is we do a four corners takeaway where i just start by giving you obviously there's a ton of stuff you could unpack from the game but four things that i thought were highly chiefly important in this game. And first off is what I said in the cold open. I think this Carolina team has a potential to have some elite level defense. We all know about Leaky Black and what he brings to the table and everything he can do as both an individual and team defender, but it's not just him. I think part of that is that it starts from the top down. With Hubert Davis, you have this coach who has emphasized defense and defense and defense over and over and over again. And so if you're not going to play it, you're not going to be on the court. Um, But one of the other things is now that you have a team with more depth that you believe in and can trust in, Caleb Love can go harder because he knows Seth Trimble's behind him. RJ Davis can go harder because he knows DeMarco Dunn. You know, those types of things allow you to play more all out on defense. But what we saw Uh, When you're just looking at, I mean, this is just the raw numbers for UNC Wilmington, but they finished the game shooting 29.3% from the field, just 17 of 58. And I know, like you're thinking inferior opponent. Well, they're not too inferior. They only lost to Carolina by 13 in the Dean Dome, right? And so um, the fact that Carolina is able to say, hey, even on a night where we're not offensively killing it, we have the ability to hold our opponent down. Not only was it just standard field goals, they held UNCW to four of 16 from the three-point line. Not that the Tar Heels did any better, but still 25% is a number you can live with from the three-point line. And anything under 30 point, uh, anything under 30% on field goals, you feel like you're in a position to win just about any game when you do that to an opponent. So potential for elite defense. The second thing in the four corners takeaway that I want to mention kind of goes along with that. I 
have if, if you've been tuned in with us through the summer and the lead up to the season, something you've heard me probably talk about is how excited I am to see what a three guard lineup might look like with not only RJ Davis and Caleb Love, but if Seth Trimble joined them. Uh, we love Davis Love the third, right? That's what I'm calling this season for RJ and Caleb. RJ Davis, Caleb Love, it's their junior year, so it's the third year. And Davis Love the third, the golfer, is a Tar Heel. So it just makes sense. Anyway, I wanted to see Davis Love the third with Seth Trimble. And we got what we were hoping for in, uh, towards the end of the first half. The only thing was, we got more than we bargained for. It was a four-guard lineup. You had those three guys plus DeMarco Dunn. So the four guards you think are going to be prevalent in this backcourt and going to get the most minutes uh, are all out on the court together, along with Pete Nance playing the five. And so I... Uh, was really like, I was even more taken aback because I assumed we'd get the three of them um, like a, a wing, a, a Leaky Black or a Puff Johnson type, even though Puff wasn't playing in this game, and a big, which we did in Pete Nance. But that that's what I've been looking for is the three guards, um, a wing who can be a small ball four, and then either Baycott or Nance as the five. But we got these four along with Nance, and they really only played two defensive possessions together. Baycott came in for the offensive possession on the other end, and David, R.J. Davis got a layup there. But in those two possessions, the Tar Heels forced um, – the shot clock ran down. UNCW got a little bit frantic and had to travel. And then the other one, another, where they just – stymied UNCW's offense and were, were able to force like an end of first half desperation three-point attempt, but really did a great job. Now, in the second half, we got a good bit more of what I wanted or what I assumed this type of lineup would be. The, the most um, typical thing we saw was the four starters minus Armando Baycott, who was in foul trouble. He was saddled uh, with four for a good portion of the second half. And so Seth Trimble came in for him. So you had that three-guard lineup, Davis Love and Trimble, plus Leaky Black, plus Pete Nance. And man, that was a lot of fun to watch. Because honestly, for UNCW, when you look at their numbers, um, they shot a really good 36% in the first half. And you look at 36% from the field and think, eh, but when you compare that to the 24% they shot in the second half, you'll take it. So um, uh, that second half, what the Tar Heels were doing, man, you, that could be replicable with this three-guard lineup and, and cause teams absolute fits. We'd love to see Coach Davis continue to tinker with those guys together. Okay, um, four corners, part number three. And this is um, all about the bench. One of the things we've wondered a lot about is depth coming off of the bench. And I think we haven't been thinking or talking about it in the two appropriate ways, because we've just been talking about the fact of coach Davis using more depth. We haven't really talked much about the effectiveness of that depth because coach Davis is only going to use depth if it's effective. Makes sense, right? Well, you had nine guys play in the first half within the first 13 minutes. You had the five starters plus um, Seth Trimble, DeMarco Dunn, um, Dontrez Styles, and Tyler Nickel. Um, and honestly, both Trimble and Dunn played double-digit minutes, 15 for Trimble, 14 for Dunn. Tyler Nickel played six, and Dontrez only played three in this game, very interestingly. Um, 
And then obviously, as I said, Puff Johnson uh, was out. And then Jalen Washington isn't ready yet from injury to come back himself. Um, so you had this nine, but those are the only nine that played. Um, but the problem is it's not just about getting them in the game. It's about them performing at a high level. Well, six points. From those four reserves, you had a total of six points. Four from Seth Tremble and two from DeMarco Dunn. Carolina has to get more. The The three leading scores. I mean, it, it was a three-headed monster of Caleb Love and RJ Davis, each with 17 and Armando Bakeout with 16. You got to get more from the bench. We'll be looking for that at Charleston or versus Charleston on Friday. And then the last thing of the four corners I want to say is this. It's not about the game. It's not about the stats. I want to remind us all to breathe. It's a long season. A lot of games ahead. Going to be a lot of them, in fact, in a short span over the next two or three weeks. So just breathe. I know this game was probably frustrating for a lot of uh, a lot of you listening and watching out there. I know it's like, why can this team who just looked dominant um, against Johnson C. Smith in the exhibition game not do similar things? I thought, I honestly thought Carolina would. I thought they would run away with this game, but they just didn't. The offense just wasn't there. Um, but breathe. Patience. Coach Davis, the coaching staff, I believe at this point, even though it's been a year with him at the helm, they have earned that trust and that capability. So stay with them. They'll get it. We'll see. Okay. Well, what I want to do though next is in the same breath that I'm telling you to breathe, I do want to point out several things that concerned me on Monday night in the game because it might be bigger implications than just this one night. What are they? Well, we'll talk about it in just a minute after I tell you about Nissan. This week's thrilling moment in college basketball is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup for Nissan are intended to empower drivers in vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the court for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be going back to the NCAA tournament and North Carolina's unbelievable Final Four victory over Duke to end Coach K's career and send the Tar Heels to the national championship game. It was just a historic moment that everyone knew and everyone felt in real time. And you love to see it. You love to see the Tar Heels coming out on top of that game. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. It's available now at NissanUSA.com. Love you being with us on Locked On Tar Heels. If you wouldn't mind for your second listen of the day, check out Locked On Sports today. It's from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Oh, and by the way, you might see yours truly on there today talking about our brand new show, Locked on College Basketball, which I am one of the co-hosts of. Would love for you to check that out. Okay, as I said, there were several things that eh, piqued my interest, let's say. Eyebrows raised a little bit that I think Carolina really needs to take care of in a hurry. Because again, they played fine in this game, right? But 
let's 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 call them out. Let's hold uh, each other accountable for what needs to happen as we know that the coaching staff in the coming days. First off is rebounding. The North Carolina Tar Heels just got out-rebounded by the UNC Wilmington Seahawks 37-32, a Colonial Athletic Association team. You definitely thought you would be hearing me say those words, right? No, absolutely not. There is no reason for that to be happening. Now, I know with a team that's missing as many shots as UNC Wilmington did, shooting under 30%, they're going to have... Uh, a lot more opportunities for offensive rebounds, but Carolina should be corralling those defensive rebounds. No reason not to. All of last year, Carolina was out-rebounded three times, and here we are, game one, being um, out-rebounded by UNC Wilmington. Interestingly enough, um, that that is going to have to change and is not something I would have guessed was going to happen in this game. Another thing that has eyebrows raised for me, too, is assists. Carolina had just four assists on their 22 made baskets. You'll recall back to the postseason when the when the Tar Heels were really, really going, they were sharing more than uh, having assists on more than 50% of their made baskets. And that is what needs to continue to happen. In fact, in this game, Pete Nance is your leading assist man with a whopping two. Two assists for Pete Nance leads the team. And then you had one for RJ and one for Armando Baycott. That's that's pretty wacky to me. But there is some good news, a little bit of a silver lining. Carolina only had nine turnovers. And that there's something to be said for that because you're playing a pretty pesky defense. It's the first game of the season. And typically, you're just more sloppy in those moments. And hear me not saying there weren't sloppy moments. There were. There was a um, backcourt 10-second violation. That should never have happened. Um, Things like that. But you think about what Carolina typically does, and anything in the single digits for turnovers is typically a win, at least in my book, unless you're playing Virginia, in which one turnover against Virginia is like five turnovers in a normal game because of pace of play. But um, that that's what we're looking at here. Only four assists. That's got to get better, just like the rebounding. And oh, by the way, speaking of the number four, that is the third eyebrows raised thing I'm looking at coming out of this game. North Carolina only had four fast break points. Four. And all of them came in the second half. Um, Looking back, I made note of it. The first fast break point came 30 minutes and 28 seconds into the game. It was um, Seth Trimble with a layup off an RJ Davis bounce pass in transition. transition. That's two of your only four, excuse me, four fast break points for this game. That's just not going to cut it for what Carolina needs to do to be at the top. And then the final eyebrows raised thing I want to point out is the three-point line. I talked about how miserable UNC Wilmington shot from the three-point line, four of 16 for 25%. Well, don't go go getting all high and mighty because the Tar Heels only made two of them in 10 attempts. I don't know what I'm more shocked at, that Carolina only made two three-pointers or that they only had 10 attempts. 
that's very low for a Hubert Davis coached basketball team. Um, when you when you look down the list, R.J. Davis took three, Caleb Love took four, one from Leaky Black, one attempt from Pete Nance, and one attempt from DeMarco Dunn. That's it. Those are your 10 three-point attempts. That's almost more shocking to me than is just making two of them, one each for RJ and Caleb. Now, the two the, the shots that RJ and Caleb made were beautiful, but Caleb's was very early in the game. I think it was points three, four, and five for the Tar Heels. So only hit one more in the final like 38 minutes of the game. Tar Heels are gonna have to get things, and and again, they're going to. It's just things that I'm hmm. But once again, I'm not concerned. Not worried, going to relax. But if any of these start to become an early season trend, let's talk again because then it starts to change. But if it's just a one-off, a uh, a misnomer, um, that's fine. But we'll learn more against College of Charleston on Friday night. Stay tuned for that. Well, I want to wrap up by pointing out a couple specific players from this game, and I want to give you my shady stat of the game. It's something we do after every North Carolina football and basketball game. But before we get there, and before we do that, I want to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season, and it's your number one source for f- football betting action and the start of the basketball season. So find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. You might have noticed uh, Mr. Drake May is sixth, has the sixth best odds to win the Heisman at Bet Online, and the Tar Heel football team has the 11th best odds to win the national championship in football. Pretty crazy stuff. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering info with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile de- device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, so typically what we do after a game is also point out three players for any variety of reasons, but just three players who either impacted the game or had an interesting role in the game. And the first one I want to point out is Pete Nance, not necessarily because of anything he did, but because of who he is. Last year, in a game like tonight, where Armando, like like on Monday night, excuse me, where Armando Baycott goes out of the game, you've got Brady Manick who can step in at the five, but it's it's just not really who he is as a basketball player. And so you kind of have to really rejigger your lineup and figure stuff out and, and what can we do and, and things of that nature. Not so this year. Pete Nance, you might or might not already be aware, was Northwestern's five. He was their center and said, I want to come to Carolina and play the four because that's what I project to do at the next level in the NBA. But what that means for the Tar Heels is that when Armando goes to the bench, either for a breather or for foul trouble, as he did tonight, you've still got a legit five in the game. Somebody who, yes, can step out and hit a three. Somebody who can lead the break like he did tonight. Uh, There was one time, a nice run coming up. 
almost almost got picked at the end, but was able to recover the basket, get it to, I believe, Armando Baycott for the layup there. Um, but, man, that's what a true center is doing. You've got Pete Nance out running the break and looking good at it, quite frankly. Um, and so having Pete Nance, what that means for Armando's ability to go out of the game and rotate in and around, all the more so when Jalen Washington is healthy and ready. Will Shaver's not really a factor in any of that for this season. Um, he's just just not there. He he will continue to develop and we'll see what he'll be, but, but not yet. Um, so the first thing I want to point out is just Pete Nance and what he brings to this team. Oh, and by the way, did you happen to know what player, notice what player it was in Monday night's game when there was a uh, foul th- shot, excuse me, a free throw about to be taken. Did you notice who it was that was calling the team together to huddle? Pete Nance. I don't know if he did it every time, but I noticed it multiple times. He was the one rallying the troops and saying, let's get together and chat. That's what you want in a leader and crazy that it's someone that's just come in, but Pete Nance is going to add some special things to this team. The next person I want to talk about is Armando Baycott, who had 16 points and only, I'm doing air quotes, nine rebounds. Only because for him, yeah, that is a low total. And um, man, it really is a bummer that he didn't get to that double-double level tonight uh, in Monday night's game, excuse me, because that is a stated thing that he wants to do this season is to work at breaking his own record that he and David Robinson are tied with of single-season um, double-doubles. He uh, shares the title with David Robinson of the most double-doubles in a single NCAA season in history. Um but unfortunately, in Monday night's game, just wasn't able to start off the season at that threshold. And he's going to have to pick it up because uh, you can't miss many games if you want to hit that high. And there's no telling how far Carolina will go into the postseason. So there's that factor as well. Now, obviously, if if Armando had been in the game longer and not in foul trouble, he only ends up playing only 28 minutes in this game. But you would imagine uh, without the foul trouble, it probably would have been more like 33 or something like that. And five more minutes of playing time, you have to think he can gather one more rebound. But anyway, you know you're in a great spot if you're if we're talking about Armando only having 16 and nine. Uh, better days are ahead for this rebounding machine. And I think part of it too was that um, UNCW was involving him in a lot of ball screen action, pulling him away from the rim um, and then either switching and he had to then guard the ball carrier or retreat to the back, you know, whatever it was, there was a lot of times where he was not at or near the rim for um, the, the more typical rebounds that he would get in and close to the basket. So um, we will wait to see what comes next. Uh, the other person, the third player I want to point out is RJ Davis. And if you've been with us throughout the summer and the lead up to the season, you have heard or seen coach Pat Kilby, who will join us on tomorrow's show, by the way, as he does every Wednesday, talk about how much he thinks RJ Davis is the best college player on this team for this season with all due respect to Armando Baycott and Caleb Love and the rest of the roster. RJ Davis is what I believe the most important player on this team. And I say that in a Kendall Marshall sort of way. Do I think that Kendall Marshall was the best NBA prospect or even the best 
college basketball player on that 2011-2012 team? No, I don't. That's probably Harrison Barnes, who's still doing it in the NBA, or Reggie Bullock, who's still doing it in the NBA, right? Um, But as we saw with Kendall Marshall's injury in the NCAA tournament that year, he was the most indispensable player on that team. And I think the same is true of RJ. We've said this a lot. Um, Pat Kilby thinks he's the best player on this team. Even if whether or not I can get there, I definitely think he's the most important and most indispensable player on this team. And he proved that RJ Davis did on Monday night in this first game uh, with the leading score for the team for the majority of the game. Caleb ended up coming back to tie him. They both scored 17, but um, RJ was perfect from the free throw line, had four rebounds, um, one assist, just one turnover, only three turnovers combined between Davis and Love, by the way, that's great. Um, and three steals combined between those two guys. And so, um, RJ just doing a great job of having that even keel demeanor and leading his team in a great way. I, I just so excited for what RJ Davis is going to bring to this team this year. RJ Davis, by the way, whom already picked up some, some nicks and cuts, um, got, Bumped to the ground pretty hard at one point, was slow to get up. Same with Leaky Black, who blocked a shot, came down on the defender's ankle, twisted his own, and, but both eventually came back in the game. Great news there. But RJ Davis, man, he is primed for a dynamo of a season. Stay tuned for that. And we got to finish this show with the shady stat of the game. I love trying to unearth some really neat stats, find something that you could find that's just, you know, can help you when you're sitting at the bar drinking or talking around the the family dinner table. You might or not might not be aware that Carolina last season set the second highest free throw percentage in program history at 76 Um, Everything points and indicates that the Tar Heels have the ability to do that again this year. You've got both of your starting two backcourt guys in Love and Davis who both shoot their 80% plus free throw shooters for their career. Leaky Black actually led the team in free throw percentage last year. Armando is a bit of a question mark, but it seems like Pete Nance is and should be an upgrade at the free throw line from Brady Manick. Seth Trimble is supposed to be a really good free throw shooter. He was two for three in the first game. Pete Nance was four for four. And so um, this team, I believe, uh, has the opportunity to do great things again from the free throw line. And they did on Monday night. And that is my shady stat of the game. The first half, the Tar Heels shot 12 of 14 from the free throw line, 85.7%. Unreal numbers there. And then tapered off a little bit in the second half, only quote unquote shot 11 for 16 from the free throw line, which is 68.75%. But you add all that up, you get 23 out of 30, which is 76.7%, a great free throw percentage for the team. In fact, if the season ended today after one game, which is funny and wouldn't happen, but if it did go along with me in this hypothetical, that would eclipse last year as the second highest team free throw percentage in program history. The only one higher is 1983-84 when the team shot 78.3%, which is absolutely bonkers. Well, part of the issue too is this is all about Armando Baycott. 
Of the seven missed free throws, he had five of them. He was six of 11 from the free throw line. The other the other guys, RJ Davis is four of four. Caleb Love missed one. He was four for five. Leaky, three for three. Pete Nance, four for four. And then Seth Trimble, two of three. And so you're going to miss one or two here or there, like Love and like Trimble did. But man, six, from, six for 11 from the line for probably the guy who will get the most free throws on the team, that's not going to do it. And Armando has to keep growing in that area. But all in all, what a what a performance from the free throw line. And that's what I expect to see from the team at the free throw line all season long. But wanted to start out this season with that is the shady stat of the game to point it out and how great it is. All right, friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up tomorrow, again, Pat Kilby and I will unpack the game in more depth. What we learned versus what we thought was going to happen coming into the game. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. Thanks so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen. Again, for your second listen, check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast. Biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or anywhere else you get podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to our show, hit the like button, and comment. No, oh, by the way, I'd love it if you'd check out our new Locked On College basketball show that I am hosting, uh, co-hosting, I should say. Be awesome. Would love to have you look into that. <clears throat> Thanks so much for spending part of your Tuesday hanging out with me, talking Carolina sports, unpacking this basketball game, and I want to remind you that it is always a great day to be a target. Until tomorrow, peace.